You're listening to Solar Insiders, the fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers, with Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Clenergy, who provide innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. Sunwiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. And Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of Solar Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy, one step off the grid and the electric vehicle website, thedriven.io. And joining me is Nigel Morris, Solar Analytics and thedriven.io correspondent. Nigel, have your feet got back onto the ground yet? Official electric motorcycle tester. My daughter said to me, Charles, the other day, um, Dad, did you ever imagine in your wildest dreams that you would go and test an electric Harley Davidson at a press launch? And I said, actually, no. I never dreamed that. There you go. Well, look, how was it? I mean, look, I've got to say that um, you've written a um, a wonderful review for thedriven.io, and um, very shortly we're going to be doing a podcast which includes some recordings mm. from your um, travels and a great interview you did with the um, with the Harley man, the Harley electric man. Mm. Mm. Um, but the review, more than thirty thousand page views. Now, there's a lot of interest Ooh. out there. I don't think I don't think there's thirty thousand buyers of Harley Davidson electric live wires out there. But geez, <laughs> a lot of people want to read about it. Yeah, and 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 I think that's the whole thing about electric motorbikes, right? Is you know, everyone's everyone thinks it's a cool idea. It makes sense, you know, and um, everyone's kind of excited by it. And you know, the tech fits, you know, a, a segment of the motorcycle market. Um, uh, it's pretty good on performance, especially in a motorbike package. So um, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. There's a lot of interest. It does surprise me that thirty thousand <laughs> makes me nervous that thirty thousand people would read what I wrote, Giles. But luckily, I've had a good mentor. Well, you had a bloody good headline on top of it. That's the, that, that, that was the key, mate. Just let, 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 listen a minute. That was the key. But look, uh, we won't go too much into it because we'll save all the best bits for the podcast. But briefly, what was it like? Yeah, so the short version. Okay, so let's get a few things off the bat. I have done a recording of the sound. Everyone wants to know what does it sound like. Um, there is a recording of the sound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's except, right. Except you, except you didn't cover you didn't cover the wind. Uh, so, so yeah, it was no. There's a bit of wind noise. There's a bit of wind noise. <laughs> right. But you, but you actually genuinely get the the. You, there is an audio recording on Facebook that I put out there that just gives you a sense of what it sounds like. Just to answer the question once and for all, for what it's worth, it sounds like pretty much all electric motorbikes. They all sound very very similar, and when you come down to it. It's as simple as this. When you take away the noise of an engine and the noise that comes out of an exhaust system, what you're really left with is drivetrain noise, not much, but a little bit, uh, tyre noise, and belt noise. And then everything else is wind, and as you heard on the recording, even the birds. It was They're so quiet, you could still hear the birds, right? So the short answer to what it sounds like to put your mind at ease is it sounds like pretty much all electric motorbikes which is a pretty sort of high-pitched worry whiny kind of noise the harley is they've done a nice job of tuning it but it sounds like most other electric motorbikes i think that's that's great because i think that's great because in most of my conversations with harley davidson drivers they've just been telling me giles i just can't hear the birds I'm just driving along the street and I can't hear the birds. So now I can. It's great. It's fantastic. 
So, you know, that's definitely different. And I tell you, sitting in a group of 12 Harley Davidsons at an intersection in complete silence is something that had the bystanders stumped. Uh, in fact, my favourite uh, my favorite thing that happened on the entire ride, and, and I'm digressing already, but we passed a bunch of school kids uh, and there was literally like 100 school kids. They were obviously going between buildings or between ovals or something. They were all walking down the road and we went past and this big, you know, gaggle of, of a dozen or so Harley Davidsons, very flash, colourful. Everyone's got their riding gear on. And the vast majority of kids... In fact, virtually every single one of those kids kind of looked and went, yeah, it's a bunch of bikes, and went back to talking about the latest TikTok extravaganza. However, as I passed the crowd, right at the back of the crowd was an extraordinary young man. He looked a little bit like Napoleon Dynamite, for anyone who remembers Napoleon Dynamite. Curly blonde hair, big Coke bottle glasses, taller than the average kid, and he was right at the back of the crowd. This kid was on his toes. He knew exactly what he was seeing. He was beside himself. You could see from his body language that he was going, am I really seeing what I think I'm seeing, which is a dozen electric Harley Davidson motorcycles driving? He was the only one out of this hundred kids who actually connected. So power to the nerds, Napoleon Dynamite down there at Cornell. He had it nailed. He knew what was happening. Napoleon is no doubt a listener of either this or the Driven Podcast, but you haven't answered me the question, Nigel. What was it like to ride? So, okay. So what was it like to very ride? Very briefly, was, very briefly. This is a solo podcast. Very briefly. Not a, not a... <laughs> Got it. So excellent. Absolutely outstanding. It was a 2020 machine. So you would expect a 2020 motorcycle to ride really well. It did. It had really good suspension, really good brakes, really nice setup. Chassis was terrific. It was sporty. Uh, but not too sporty, and it did zero to 100 in three seconds. So it was a plenty fast. It was, of course, like all electric motorcycles, incredibly smooth. So it was a delight. And even the, the dyed-in-the-wool um, Harley guys who were along uh, on the ride were saying, it is fun to ride. It's great to ride. So, yeah, to ride, you know, you'd get off exhilarated, excited, and trying to work out how to get 50 grand. Brilliant. Fantastic. Well, look, um, look out for the Driven podcast. Um, that'll be up in the next couple of days. And um, I'll be talking to Nigel a little bit more depth about that. Um, and um, we've also got an interview with the um, Harley people and some sound. So um, that's great. Um, just to remind ourselves that this is a solar podcast. It's the um, Solar Insiders mm. podcast. We better get back onto solar. Um, yes. I think a couple of acknowledgements of people. Um, the passing of Richard Collins. Um a, um, you describe him as a genuine solar industry pioneer. Nigel, tell us more about who he was. Founding father. Founding father, old Rich. Um, I met Richard uh, when he hired me, actually, to come and join BP. So, you know, that's 20-something uh, years ago. And um, uh, Richard uh, actually Richard started in the industry with Lucas Energy Systems in the UK. Um, he was an electrical engineer, I think, and, 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 you know, doing all sorts of fascinating things in Lucas when BP said, for the first time, we want to go renewables. And they bought Lucas Engineering as one of the sort of foundations of everything that they did in solar, ultimately. And so Richard was there. So he was there when BP bought out uh, Lucas Energy Systems and moved across into BP and was there forever. 
um, he was one of the um, genuine uh, founding fathers of of the technology behind the industry that we have today, going back, I think, almost 40 years, maybe even more than 40 years. Sadly, Richard passed away uh, tragically um, uh, a week or so ago. So a huge respect and never forget um, our founding fathers, people who worked hard um, before the industry was even a thing. And um, tragic news for, for everyone like me who um, who knew and loved him well and will miss him dearly. Yeah, look, I did not know him very well, I have to say, but um, I have spoken to a few people in the last couple of weeks who did, and um, they were basically unanimous in saying a really nice guy and really knew his stuff. So um, that's sad for the industry and condolences to his family. Another milestone, a, um, Fiona O'Hare from Greenbank. Um, she's passing the baton to a, um, a younger member of the team now, Fiona. And I do know Fiona, she's been around for a long time, one of the really yes. good people in the industry. Indeed, another another pioneer. I don't think quite quite the forty years or so that Richard had, but but you know I remember working with Fiona in many capacities going back many decades. And uh, uh, to her credit, um, uh, Fiona formed one of the very first, I think it was, um, STC and LGC trading entities, Green Bank, um, uh, who are still alive today and still one of the biggest in the country today. A terrific business and um, has built that into not only a you know really successful business trading in carbon credits and and renewable credits of all sorts and and, and embrace that whole part of the industry after a, a long uh, series of experiences before that but also reached the point now where she's willing to hand a baton on and indeed it's her daughter that is taking over which I just think is the most wonderful story not only because they're both terrific human beings uh, they've built a great business but to actually see the next generation starting to come through that is so needed in this industry Giles we need more young blood coming through and being as enthusiastic and passionate and tenacious and and innovative as all those uh, founders uh, fathers and and and, and uh, mothers, I don't know, um, but um, uh, yeah, big shout out again to Fiona for all her contributions. One of the most material gestures that I've ever seen in this industry when Fiona's business got caught with some uh, non-compliance issues, uh, they could have walked away and instead she put her, she literally mortgaged her house and put a million dollars on the table to help consumers out. She wasn't obliged to, she did it out of the goodness of her heart and because she felt so strongly about integrity and about doing the right thing by people and it, it's a testament uh, to her um, and um, to how to run a business in this market. So um, be sad to see us go, Fee, but I'm sure we'll get to catch up um, again soon. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, look, I do remember that magnificent gesture from um, Fiona um, in that STC um, issue. And that was really just about the um, about the technology and about the reputation of the industry. And um, more people should be um, acting like that and um, fantastic opportunity. So congratulations. What a role to, model. What a role absolutely. model, mate. Yeah, congratulations yeah. to her for a, a wonderful career and um, all the best to her daughter for continuing the work at Green Bank. Now, look, things are pretty exciting out there, um, pretty dramatic. Um, let's get a couple of stats out of the way first. Um, 251 okay. megawatts in August. Was it August? Yes, that's August. August, yes, August. We're in September yes. now. August, yes. which was the second best ever, I think. So despite a decline in Victoria, um, still rocking along at a great rate. 
but um, charging into a, um, a couple of hurdles in South Australia first and um, probably Victoria and Western Australia next. Now, look, we've touched on this in the last couple of episodes. Um, people really worried about it. I mean, it came to the forefront in the last couple of weeks with both Pete bodies, the Clean Energy Council and the Smart Energy Council. Um, expressing, well, basically what you said last week about sort of the chaos and the confusion and the fear of people being loaded up with sort of huge amounts of inventories. Um, but we've got some progress now. We've we finally identified the four or the first four inverter approved inverters for this new regime of inverters, Correct. which must they've be able been to, named now. Yep, they've been named and all the different models. So that's good. And these inverters are required to be able to ride through all sort of you know. Um, um, faults and, um, and and voltage problems, and plus agents, agent ninety nine, and agent all the, these are the um, agents that relevant agents, mm. relevant agents that home installer inst- households must nominate when they sign up now. So this will be the agent that acts on behalf of AEMO and basically cuts their solar system off from the grid in those rare events, and we're told that this is only going to be 10 minutes a year maximum, that um, they need to do that just in case there's too much solar, not enough demand, and um, and they're scared of everything falling over. So um, interesting yeah, so stuff. That, that, list, still- that list's come out, and a whole bunch of companies have nominated themselves, including one of your sponsors. Including one of our sponsors. Who might that be, Nigel? Who might that be? Well, it's Solar <laughs> Analytics, I think. Are they, think are they Agent be. 99 or Agent... Uh- <laughs> So we've we've signed up, we've signed up, and and it is you know fascinating, fascinating territory. It's all new. Well, it's it's kind of new, but it's not. It's just a different iteration, a different version of the same thing. But new territory for us to have to sign up as a relevant agent. We're we're kind of getting ready to make a big announcement this week, actually, about how we're going to help make the grid smarter and how we're going to enact some of this control stuff and of course there's not just low voltage ride through but there's dynamic export limits that are required soon there's metering requirements there's a whole bunch of things that need to be done over and above of course what consumers actually want which is just great solar and visibility over what's going on so this is all superfluous to that but um yeah i have spent probably close to 10 hours a day for the last week giles on this issue alone along with a team of people in our business who are you know like so many solar businesses trying to find a good solution here and um it's not easy it's not hard everyone's cutting a different piece of the pie for themselves and saying, well, I can do this, but I can't do that. Or I think I can solve this problem, but I can't solve that problem. So no one has the ability to solve all of it. It just doesn't exist at this point in time. And there's still a lot of murkiness around it. And of course, things change over the next three, six, nine, 12 months too. So very, very tricky territory. The, 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 the final comment that I'd make about it is the one thing that makes me the saddest of all is that uh, despite the good outcomes that will ultimately come out of this, the entire industry, and that's everyone in South Australia, plus every solar installer in South Australia, plus every supplier into the South Australian market, us included, is running around in circles going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, what do we do? How do we solve this? There is an immense amount of time, energy, and money being invested in this. So, uh, my goodness, that's an enormous investment by the industry to try and um, solve this challenge that has landed upon us very, very quickly. So, uh, let's hope it is useful 
and meaningful and actually works. Well, let's hope so. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit, I'm still scratching my head why it was such panic stations because these new, um, these new um, standards are supposed to come in by September 28th, but effectively they're being backdated to any contract that was signed from August the 10th on. So basically, yep. anyone who did that um, is basically sort of sitting there and just hoping, hoping like hell that the um, technology that they um, installed um, is not going to have to be sort of you know removed and replaced. Um, yes. So that's a big worry for people. And as you've mentioned, people, a lot of people with um, inventories. Um, my understanding is that most of these inverters that have been improved have not necessarily actually been tested, but they've just been given an undertaking by the manufacturer saying that we're pretty sure they're going to meet the test. So when we get around to testing them, which, which they've got to do by the end of March, then um, they'll be fine. And if they don't meet the testing for some reason, then um, they'll make good any repairs or upgrades or replacements that... Um, need to be done but it's it's quite extraordinary that Correct. it should happen at this speed and look it certainly it certainly highlights a couple of things one is the pace of solar and two is the nervousness and the caution that are being exercised now by the relevant authorities um which is probably good on one hand and then you start to worry about if it's a bit too nervous nelly on the other hand so it's sort of you know it's um, a shambles, mate. Let's not sugarcoat it. It is a bloody shambles, and it's extraordinarily difficult. And I, I think I've spoken to about fifteen or twenty different um, solar retailers down in South Australia today, and our phone is running off the hook um, with people saying, "Hey, we see you're listed as a relevant agent. Um, tell us what you can do. Tell us what your offer will look like." Because I've spoken to my supplier, and they don't know. Or I've spoken to their supplier, my supplier, and they've got part of the answer, but I still can't solve these other problems. I might be able to solve it for one or two months, but in three or six or nine months, I'm going to need a different solution, and I don't want to be exposed. I don't want to find myself having to make good uh, in six months' time. Absolutely. So it is very difficult, very, very difficult for yeah. everybody. Um, but... Um, uh, you know, the exciting part is that there is some great thinking, there's some great minds, there's some great people out there trying to pull these deals together. I actually got finally really, really excited when the boss came up with a completely new angle on what we will probably go to market with this morning and went, are you kidding me? Can we really do that? And he went, yep, we're ready. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's. We're just going to bring everything forward a whole lot, but we've been heading down this route anyway. So let's bring it all forward six months and just get going. We'll, we'll juggle a whole lot of things and bring some more people, whatever we need to do because this is the world we want to live in. Smart control, dynamic dynamic management of renewables in the grid. It's where everyone wants to be and it's no one more than us, Giles. We really want to be there. So that's, it's exciting well, that's it. but terrifying. Well, terrifying, yes. It's really not the destination that um, is the problem. It's just the um, it's, it's, it's the road that we get there. So um, that's, it's um, like, that's interesting. It's like sailing to Hayman Island into a cyclone on a sailing boat or something. You know, it's, you know, the journey's... Or something. A journey's going to be torturous and horrendous, but you know it'll be good when we get there. Yeah, I, just a quick query though, because I mean I know Solar Analytics because it monitors um, my um, rooftop consumption, my battery consumption, and I happen to know that you spend most of the day looking at my consumption. But I didn't actually know that you could actually <laughs> switch me off. I thought you could just watch, you know. But apparently now you can actually you can cut me off. It turns out. Well, we can we can do better than cutting you off. The dumb the dumb systems will just cut you off. What about if we dynamically ramp your system up and down depending on signals from the network? That's where we're heading. 
that's where we want to be. And so we can make a nice interface that's reliable and accurate and easy to use and links in to all manner of devices. Uh, so um, we've been playing around with this in the background for quite a while and doing all sorts of experiments for, for a number of years, in fact. Um, but what this has done is just accelerated everything. We've got a terrific partner who is just, you know, um, run with us at a million miles an hour to make this happen and said, yep, sure, we're going to let you, you know, do this with us because you're doing a great job. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, what it actually means in reality for most end users is probably... Uh, very little, as you say, you know, it should only happen a few times a year at, at best or in, in the event of a major event. Uh, the important thing is when it needs to happen, it needs to happen well, it needs to happen reliably and people need to know what's going on. Mm. There you go. And, and, there you go. and, and let, let, me give you a, let me give you a great bit of gossip that I heard. Cool. Giles, uh, on talking in with I someone about to, this issue today. I, pro I promise not to share it Don't with anyone else. Don't tell Go anyone. On. So apparently last week, Tesla uh, sent a signal to a few thousand Tesla batteries in South Australia and said, well, uh, we're actually going to take control of your battery there. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, we might need that energy because there might be something that's about to happen that we might be able to sell that energy into. So you don't have control over your battery anymore, Mr. or Mrs. Jones, because you signed up to a VPP program. So under the rules and regs, we're going to take control of your battery. You can no longer put your solar into it. You can no longer take energy out of that battery. We are putting it in idle mode and we'll tell you when it's available for you to use again. And they took control of those batteries and they did some stuff. And um, lo and behold, the phones started to ring, Giles, of people who had installed those batteries for, with customers saying, hey, why is someone taking control of my battery? I've been told that my battery's been taken over and I can't do this and I, I want that energy. I don't have access to it now. Or I, I've got, I'm now I'm exporting at three cents a kilowatt hour. I don't want to do that. I want to put in my battery and save it till peak time and avoid peak rates and I can't do that. What's happening? And apparently the phones have been running pretty hot. Um, now, this is a really, this is not the first time this has happened, but it's a really interesting scale example of, you know, the reality of remote dynamic control, either in this case, potentially for, you know, selling some energy off to meet a network demand or a financial opportunity, or in the case of the uh, new regulations that are coming that we were talking about before, you know, adjusting the behavior of renewables. So, you know, this is the, the first taste that we're really starting to hear about now of consumers experiencing in a first-hand level renewables being used not just to save you money but actually to prop the grid up to build um, resilience to be used in other ways and that is the future my friend and uh, it's happening it's starting to happen all around us so it's um it's fascinating to hear um it is fascinating to hear in fact i've been sort of been wondering about this for a while now i'm actually quite intrigued because um We've had actually a couple of emails from people just sort of saying, hang on, I've signed up to a VPP and I don't seem to have control over my battery anymore and I'll not be able to use it for the purposes <laughs> for which I imagined. So this is really, really interesting. And I would have thought that it's something that, um, you know, um, the customers would need to know before they signed up. So what's the deal here then? Um, to what extent do they have control and to what extent do they not have control? Are they told that at certain times of the day, um, they're not going to be able to use it in the way they might choose to, or does whoever 
the VPP provider is um, have control over over all that time? Because, I mean, do they require a certain amount of batteries to be in a certain state of charge, therefore we'll stop other people from depleting them or, or, or whatever? Um, do we know the answer to that? Or are people still well, making we up do. their code? No, the, the, the answer is uh, that depends on the deal that you've signed up to and the provider that you've signed up to and the model they've got behind it. Um, and so there are numerous versions, everything from, you know, very black and white contracts that if you read every word in the contract, you would uh, be able to discern probably what's you know possible and, and certainly they need to be spelled out. Um, and I was chatting with someone else in South Australia today who mentioned that they signed up to a VPP provider who, in fact, doesn't even have a contract. You don't even have to sign a contract. You just sign up, you get some deals, they trade some power from time to time, but there's no contract. You can opt in, you can opt out. So like any market, we're seeing a wide variety of offers. Um, the irony is that, you know, the new rules and regulations that are coming in are kind of doing the same thing as VPP, just in a different way, right? It's all about controlling inflows and outflows and storage. Um, you might be doing it for a different reason, but it's all effectively doing the same thing, uh, which must be very frustrating if you were Tesla and probably invested millions in getting VPP working. Um, um, but, um, you know, nonetheless, they're all doing different versions of the same thing. So, you know, this is where the new markets, the new solar markets are going to emerge into the, or going to become this space where consumers not only have choices about the gear they buy, the company they choose, the warranty they get, but they also have some value-added opportunities to sell some energy through a VPP. They're going to have some obligations to help support the network from time to time, which they may or may not get rewarded for. They may get some benefits out of that through some more sophistication that they didn't wouldn't have necessarily got otherwise. So this is the new smart grid um, in the real world starting to happen. It's going to get bloody complicated when people start plugging up their EVs and start putting them into these sort of deals as well. So um, that's going to get people scratching their heads. Nigel, fascinating sure stuff. Look, I think we're just going to yeah, we're just going to take a yeah, message from our sponsors now, and um, we'll be back very soon. Sunwiz are Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. Sunwiz's new partnership with Open Solar will amplify the value delivered by a world-leading solar software platform. With personalised training and assistance, PV retailer benchmarking and individually tailored proposals, SunWiz will accelerate your solar business in the right direction. Unlock the wisdom of 10 years' experience assisting leading solar companies by visiting sunwiz.com.au. And of course, I'd like to thank all our sponsors for the Solar Insiders podcast, which are Solar Analytics, um, SunWiz and Clinergy. Now, I've got another little interview in the bag. Over the last couple of weeks or months or years, we've been hearing from different uh, module manufacturers. P panels are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. They've gone from 300 watts to 400 watts to 500 watts. Some are talking 600 watts now and even more. Um, one of those people rolling out new models is uh, Longi Solar. And um, I had a chat um, earlier on to Tommy Hyen, uh, the um, project manager for uh, Longi Solar. So, Tommy, hi, and um, welcome to the uh, Solar Insiders podcast. Hey, how are you? Look, pretty good, pretty good. Look, there's um, lots of interesting announcements coming out now, but look, let's just start on your head of utility uh, business at uh, Longy in Australia. So, what are some of the key characteristics of the solar market in Australia at the moment, the utility-scale solar market, and um, how that's been changing? Yeah, sure, Charlie. 
Um, Utilic scale is very popular in Australia. The project owner have found attractive returns here. So we've seen an explosion of large scale sites over the past five years. So at Longji, we have seen significant change in approach to new project, particularly the one we define as ultra large scale over 100 megawatt in scale. So in the past, EPC contractor would specify product for deployment based almost exclusively on price. Over the past two years, we have seen a distinct shift away from this approach towards a more holistic view of the SCOE on the entire project over the lifetime of project. So this, this change has been uh, driven by macro trend with bigger international developer becoming more complicated. Module supplier like Longji, so working harder to understand the customer needs and requirements to specify more closely at the project level to improve financial yield. So in Australia, um, there are local issues, as you know, around the grid curtailment, mm, local, in local incentive and planning requirement to logistical challenge with project which in remote area. And of course, for EPC contractor, the environmental can be more difficult to operate in than say European market. So now we tend to see developer involving technology specific choice to drive a better levelized level cost of electricity. In contract with EPC, developers are now being forcing minimum power class for module. Mm, so they're looking obviously then at sort of longer term considerations. How's that sort of um, impacting the choices they're making um, during the development phase then? Yeah, sure. Um, longer terms, performance and reliability is really important for developer to build a valuable site that fit their business model, whether they want to build an operate or looking to transfer the asset in the future. Developer increasingly concerned with the long term success of a solar site in Australia. So I would say module efficiency and single string power are very important. Our Longji HIMO 5 has high power and high efficiency, and the open circuit voltage is consistent with conventional modules. This makes the lowest BOS cost product for large ground mounted power station. Additionally, HIMO 5 can increase the single string power and significantly increase the DC ACO ratio of the power stage when string inverters are used, AC side equipment cost reduced for the reducing LCOE. And you mentioned just some of the issues that there's been with grid connections and things like that. So, what sort of um, what happens, um, you know, when a development is built, and um, you know, what's, um, what's what's the after sales service um, offering that um, yeah. that needs to be had? Yeah, sure. This is one of one of the critical. I mean, Longi has, I would say, the over 10 margin and service center in global core market to provide local service 24 hours, seven days. The Longi is committed to responding to customer request in the full customer journey from pre-sale to post-sale from the start of business communications. The company provides professional advice 
in terms of product selection, cooperation planning, business support, logistics, and transportation as well. And we have um, also three supporting platforms. Uh, customer compliant platform is the Longji Advocate Global Unified Service Standard to provide customer with cross-regional, internal, and cross-departmental efficiency of operation. And second platform is called Spare Part Platform that will provide the solution to the problem of module replacement in a timely manner. Last platform is that failure analysis platform provides to solve all problems that they may encounter during the whole life cycle of project. So we Longji Solar Australia has a dedicated team based in Sydney, but working Australia wide to work with customer on their shop ready side. We don't just supply module and work where it does make sense. So we work very hard from the start of project in fact, the earlier a developer on EPC comes to us, the more value we are able to provide. As one of world's leading model manufacturer, we Longis are able to provide many variations of technology to suit every site need. Our Australian team works with customers to help define the technology. For example, our Hymo 5 model come in bifacial and monofacial configuration to suit different sites, there are times we recommend one over the other. Although it must be said that as one of the leading global suppliers of bifacial utility scale solar module over the past two years, and we are seeing 90% of large scale sites in our future delivery schedule looking to specific bifacial product. Our team, also work with customer on site. And Longji Australia local service and technical team have the capability to provide almost immediate response for a customer. We have invested heavily in Australia because we believe in the market and built up a strong technical presence here to facilitate our customer needs. So they did not have to wait for support from overseas. They can pick up the phone at any time and be sure to speak to longest person in Australia who can help. Mm. Well, look, that's good to hear. But um, what's happening with prices? Um, we've seen some movements. Um, there's a lot of different factors on prices. I guess one of the biggest factors most recently, um, we, we see exchange rates, but we've also seen issues in silicon factories and things like that. So can you give us a bit, bit of an overview there? Yes. Silicon price have jumped almost 50% in past quarter. And this is beginning to have an effect on model price across the industry. Um, I am pleased to say that, however, none of our existing customers that have ordered the product for their project in 2021 will be affected by this price increase. With more than 900 megawatt contracted for delivery to large scale project in Australia over 2021, we are able to support the project go all heads. Longji is an integrated supplier, which means we produce our wafer and sell in-house. This gives us a greater ability to manage price fluctuation over the time for our customer. We currently produce 70 gigawatts of mono wafer annually and 35 gigawatts our own modules so online. 
some other supplier, we are able to control some our input cost for module and therefore maintain always highly competitive pricing on module. For new customer, this integrated approach means better LCOE outcomes into 2021 and beyond, despite wider supply chain pricing shift. This makes us and therefore our customer project more resilient and able to navigate short-term pricing and ability fluctuation. And tell me then about um, module sizes then, because there just seems to be a big rush at the moment. Um, you know, we've leapt over the past, 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 sorry, the past couple of years from 300 watt modules to 400, and we seem to be sort of launching straight away now from 500 up towards 600 watts, and people are even talking bigger than that. So, where is Longi looking at a um, you know for for a nice um, you know where is it sort of setting its sights now for for module size? Yes, we Longji believe that efficiency and manufacturing yield of 210 millimeter cell, that is 600 plus modules are low, which um, increase the manufacturing cost for module based on 210 millimeter cell. Further, glass supply is uh, also a challenge. 600 watt plus modules are at least 1.3 meter wide, which is wider than standard glass productions. Module transportation becomes an issue as module size increase as the door height of standard 40 high cube shipping container limit wide of the module to about 1.13 meter. Anything bigger than this is not optimal and increased pricing cost. So 600 watt plus module is so wide that in either portrait or landscape package will increase the risk of falling and micro crack during transportation. System application is an important factor as 600 watt plus module would require to separately develop the string inverter, which will come at higher price point than mainstream inverter. Manual installation of 600 watt plus module could be very difficult with weight over 35 kilograms. This could increase BOS cost in an actual project. For this region, Longji has focused on development of higher efficiency module within a similar form factor to standard module being deployed at the scale today. This way, developer get the best yield with a product that fits existing supply chain effectively. We believe at the moment, 440 watt panels are the sweet spot for large scale project in Australia. So I recommend uh, the fantastic, our new product, Hymo 5 range. Okay, well, look, well, good luck with that. Um, Tommy, thank you very much for joining the um, Solar Insiders podcast and um, all the best for your project deliveries over the next year and, um, and in the future and um, with the new Hymo 5 range. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Ryan. That was Tommy Hyen from Longi Solar. Um, Nigel, I guess eventually um, panels can't just keep on getting bigger and bigger and bigger. They're just going to have to be, become more efficient and maybe we're already reaching the limits of that. But um, we'll wait and see. But there, there seems to be some sort of boasting or branding opportunity from, you know, have, have, have the most watts per panel. But um, I think it's going to have to come through efficiencies rather than just uh, making them bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. But um, 
Let's just wrap up today because it's been a busy sort of day. Let's just wrap up with Kudamundra. What's happening in Kudamundra? Um, it's not something that we focused on much. I do remember going up to Kudamundra once to play rugby league for the under twelves. I think we lost. <laughs> really good game. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure we lost. I was really bad. I was a really bad rugby league player. You know, I would have. Um, you know, it would have been I, a feisty game have, in Cooter, I'm imagining. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, you just looked at the guys and you just ran scared. I just came from some school in Canberra and got terrifying. You know, anyway, still. I don't know a lot about Cootamundra. I've been through it a few times, but they have been featuring on my Facebook feed quite a lot lately. And this is a story that I wouldn't mind betting that around the world could not happen anywhere but in Australia. Uh, the short version is there was a post that was put up by a lady that said, Oh my God, I was out at work today. A solar company came around and put solar on my house. I didn't ask for it. I didn't want it. I didn't pay for it. Now I have a solar system. What do I do? Kidding now, me. no, I'm not kidding you. And 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 this post continues and continues and continues. It's been going on for days and weeks. And um, I'm, I haven't got to the bottom of it yet, whether it's, you know, sheer clumsiness and stupidity on the part of, some solar companies that are out there just accidentally throwing solar on the wrong people's roofs or whether it's some kind of scam. There were a number of people in the region, uh, in Kudamundra, in Kuta, in fact, who were saying, ah, oh, yeah, I heard about this. It happened to my neighbour. They came and slapped the solar on and then said, well, look, now it's on the roof. We made a mistake, but now it's on the roof. Why don't you just pay us a couple of grand? We'll leave it there. And sorry about that, but, you know, here you go. you got a solar system. So... This couldn't happen anywhere in, but in Australia. It, 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 you know, the, the budget, nasty, stupid end of the business that allows someone to accidentally throw solar on the wrong roof without permission, for goodness sake, it's bewildering to me. So I'm digging a little bit deeper on this one and hoping to see if I can hunt down some of the original people and find out where they got to. Of course, Fair Trading have been contacted, a number of other regulatory authorities have been contacted. There's been pictures posted from various people saying, oh, yeah, here's here's a photo of that truck across the road from my house. They were doing the house across the road today as well. And, you know, so we don't know exactly what's going on, but if you're in Cootamundra, and I don't know how many Cootamundra listeners we've got, Giles, but, um, you Thousands. know, I think a commemorative Cooter T-shirt is called for, um, but we've got to get to the bottom of this first. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, funny old times. It shows that there are some, you know, the, the, the shenanigans that we've seen by, you know, uh, frankly, what is probably the bottom end of the market doing stupid things uh, continues, sadly. Sadly, indeed. Well, we'd like to hear some more from people in Kudamundra, and if anyone's got an idea for a logo on the T-shirt to celebrate this um, remarkable event, do let us know. Look, we're going to wrap it up there, Nigel. Um, thank you very much. Thank you to our sponsors, of course, um, Sunwiz, Solar Analytics, and Cleanergy. Do look out for the Driven podcast uh, where Nigel goes the whole hog on an electric hog. And... Um, Oh, classy, classy. And um, and check out his uh, review that you'll find on the driven.io. And in the meantime, good luck out there. People in Victoria still working through an extended lockdown. People in mm. South Australia trying to make sense 
somehow of all these new rules coming in and um, everybody else out there in the business. And we'll be back again in a fortnight. Bye for now. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Clenergy, the providers of high-quality mounting systems for residential, commercial and utility-scale solar projects. With in-house engineering and projects divisions, Clenergy provides a unique edge with its expert advice. Let Clenergy find the right framework for any solar application. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. SunWiz's new partnership with OpenSolar will amplify the value delivered by their world-leading solar software platform. Run your business at maximum velocity with pro setup, training and assistance. Visit sunwiz.com.au. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy.